to the Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And, and we are glad you're here yeah. to join us on this Memorial Day. Oh, I just cut you off. Yeah, it's good. That's good. <laughs> I like it. And we also have a special guest with us uh, for uh, the first section of our Live-O-Rama. So for you people that are um, a part of podcast land, um, we, were, we are going to split this up over a few weeks anyway, so you don't have to be bothered by four hours of audio, and you can adjust that in little chunks anyway. Um, but for the live land, um, we're doing four um, sort of separate shows today. So uh, with this first uh, show that we wanted to do in this Live-O-Rama time, we have a special guest on the line. His name is Charles Smith. He's a part of the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. He's probably one of the longest-running members, and we haven't had him on the show yet. Um, I got to hang out with him at the last... Uh, I guess that was the annual meeting, the annual meeting for Missouri Baptist. Nineteen, yeah. yeah. So we got a a lot of time together. So I'm glad, uh, Charles, that you get to come on the show. um, And uh, we're just going to be discussing a book that he had wrote um, to equip the saints to witness to witnesses. So yeah, there's Dave holding it up anyway. And this book will be coming to Amazon before too long. Yes, we're working on that. We're going to help. We're going to help. Uh, Mr. Smith, get this thing published on Amazon so that it's available to each and every one of you in a nice form that you can hand out to others, use as a teaching tool. And this is what we're going to discuss today. So, yeah. So, say hi to everybody, Charles. Howdy. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's, Charles, let's, let's begin. just begin by, uh, you know, you are a stalwart and longtime member of the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. Um, one of the senior members, I would say, of the network. We're really grateful for what you do. But uh, many individuals maybe have seen your picture not only on the podcast now here, the live stream, but maybe they've got on the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network site or they've ran into you at the network booth. Uh, yeah. Just begin by telling us a little bit about who you are and how you got involved in witnessing to Jehovah Witnesses? Well, I was a Jehovah's Witness for 38 years of my life. Hmm. Uh, my dad's name is Charles Taze Smith. So okay. he was named after the first president of the Watchtower Society, which was Charles Taze Russell. But um, really, what uh, disturbed me was uh, the 1975 false prophecy. Yeah. And um, I remember when that first, uh, they had, the first, um, you know, started talking about that was in 19. 19- 66 with a book called Life Everlasting and the Freedom of the Sons of God. And my dad said, oh, no, if this doesn't come through, they're going to call us false prophets again. And I said, again, you know, I was wondering what he's talking about. Hmm. Well, in 1975, of course, that failed. Uh, The millennial reign did not start. And um, there was a fellow in in 1980 that wrote a book, Crisis of Conscience, uh, Ray Franz. And I took this book and read it. And he listed all types of false prophecy, had the photocopies from the, the, the old publication, and they had prophesied the end of the world in 1914, 1918, 1925, the 1940s, and 1975. So they're false prophets, you know, and uh, the Bible tells us that we're not to have anything to do with false happy as a Jehovah's Witness in many ways, but uh, the Bible tells us not to pay attention to false prophets. 
Yeah. Let me just do a little bit of a divergence here because I will tell you, we have not spent a lot of time talking about Jehovah Witnesses on the podcast. In fact, I believe that you are the first individual that we've directly had deal with Jehovah Witnesses. Am I right about that? I haven't been yeah, back yeah, in the as archives far, yeah, for As far a while. as the podcast goes, you know, we've dealt with unity, we've dealt with uh, Mormonism, um, we've dealt with like the mysticism and all that kind of stuff, um, which Jehovah's Witness would really stick under, but this is... Uh, like a historical yeah. uh, uh, group of people that ate Christianity. So like they, they might get real close in some areas to be persuasive enough to then throw something in. But yeah, we haven't really dealt with um, the Jehovah's witness. So give me a little help, uh, Charles, and, and I hope you don't mind me kind of jumping ship from our list, but I did know that you were a Jehovah witness from reading your book, but Tell me just a little bit of background on what is a Jehovah Witness? Like, obviously, we know it's the people who show up around Easter time, knock on your door, uh, and want to invite you to their Lord's Supper Festival. Um, they didn't do that this year. Uh, but, like, tell us a little bit about who Jehovah Witnesses are. Give us a little history, because you say Charles Taze Russell. I know who yeah. he is. Uh, Adam knows who he is, but I don't know that everyone else doesn't. I can always learn a little bit more about his background. So if you don't mind, just give me a you know a few minute background on what are Jehovah Witnesses, who they are, what they believe, kind of, and then we'll jump directly into the book if if that doesn't set you off too much. Sure, sure. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I, I suppose the, the International Bible Students Association is the beginning, and Charles Taze Russell founded that around 1874 or so. Uh, he was part of the Second Day Adventist movement looking for the Lord to return. The Second Day Adventists were sort of split off from uh, the William Miller movement in the 1840s. And um, uh, he started the Watchtower magazine around the mid-1870s. And um, and his unique doctrines are uh, still maintained among Jehovah's Witnesses today. They don't believe in the deity of Christ. They don't believe in uh, uh, a... Um, a spiritual existence after death. Uh, they don't believe that Jesus was raised bodily from the grave. Just about any doctrine that Jesus taught, they deny. And so that's pretty much it. And they they feel like they are the one true uh, religious organization today. According to their chronological speculation, uh, Jesus returned to kingdom authority in heaven in nineteen. 19- 14, and then three and a half years after that, in 1918, he came invisibly to judge the churches. And among all the churches out there, the ones that were doing right and were closest to the truth were the International Bible Students who became the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. Russell predicted the end of the world in 1914. It did not happen. Uh, He lived until 1916, and Joseph Franklin Rutherford took over, and he eventually changed the name to Jehovah's Witnesses. But they believe the one true church uh, on the face of the earth. Yeah, and so you know what's really important there is you said that they uh, deny really the bodiliness of Jesus Christ, right? That that he came in the flesh. Which yeah, he came in the flesh, but but, but whenever he was uh, uh, crucified and laid in the tomb, his body was okay. dissolved in some way, and he was uh, recreated a spirit uh, creature, a powerful spirit creature, Michael the Archangel. Is who they claim he is. So that's what they teach. I mean, it's pretty weird, but that's where they're at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's one. I just wanted to clarify that because that, that basically this comes so close to the definition of antichrist um, from, you know, the apostle John in his, uh, in, in, in the Bible, whenever that, you know, if somebody co- claims that Christ didn't come in the body, 
uh, that he did not dwell in flesh. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. So this is why this is important because it gets really close um, to the to the literal description of that. And uh, so that's why we need to talk about it because it's well, false doctrine. Dave, the way they're Antichrist, the way they're Antichrist is uh, they're anti anything he taught. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. Jesus says, uh, touch me, feel me, a spirit hath not flesh and bone, as you see that I have. Well, they say he was, uh, you know, just kidding around, I guess, because he was really raised a spirit. It wasn't really his flesh and his bone. So, to me, the Antichrist comes in where they just deny all of his doctrines. Yeah, yeah, that is very, very, very true. Um, so, you know, what- they, they say they believe in a thing called Jesus, but it's not the same. It's like Paul says in Second Corinthians, they have a different Jesus and a different gospel and a different spirit. Do we yeah. a little fit, uh, a little bit here of background? Um, the Wayne Miller movement. Could you maybe give me just a bit of clarification on on that? You said that it was basically a split off of the Wayne Miller movement. Miller, <laughs> yeah. William Miller. William Miller. Yeah, William Miller. You. He was a, a Baptist lay preacher who got into Bible chronology, and he was studying the Bible chronology of a guy by the name of John Aquila Brown, and um, he got into this uh, these these dates and the chronology establishing. Christ returned by by Bible chronology, and he predicted that I think it was the Lord was going to return in 1844. Gotcha. And uh, he had everybody all stirred up about it. And, of course, that didn't happen. It was called a great disappointment. But from that movement came the Seventh-day Adventists and other Second-day Adventist groups back there in the uh, middle 1800s and early 1800s. So... Uh, Russell became acquainted with some of these Second-day Adventist groups, not the Seventh-day Adventist, but uh, some other groups. And, um, of course, some, many of those groups, uh, they were anti-Trinitarian, uh, anti-doctrine of eternal punishment, and he adopted a lot of these doctrines. He borrowed a lot of these doctrines from these different um, uh, groups, Second-day Adventist groups. And then he founded his own group in about 1870. Six four eighteen seventy six, I think the Watchtower magazine was first printed uh, right at that time. I'm not sure on the date. Don't quote me. Yeah, and I, but uh, yeah, would you that, say that, that there's it, it's all, they they came out of this this desire for the Lord to return. You know, everybody's been that's been a desire, and there's some of the still some of these little vibrations even among uh, Christian churches today. So um, I'm pretty much um, you know I, I really look carefully into these prophecies that um, we have uh, promoted by groups like this and even our own, some of our own um, um, Christian groups. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, and good. so, I mean, is there sort of a historical connection, I guess, uh, because you say that, you know, the Millerites with the seven day Adventism, um, you have uh, the, so the Campbellites, that would be uh, church of Christ. <laughs> and then you've got uh, uh, Mormonism and all that that's all like well, right in around that same period is, right. is there a historical connection here the, um, that the Campbellites I don't think were the Campbellites I don't think we're into the end time stuff as much yeah. they were just restoration we're the one true church we've got all the marks of the one true church that yeah. was the Camelite. in fact the Camelites were pretty hardcore against the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses yeah but it's kind of a, it's really interesting to look at that uh, sort of American history the era and then whenever you see all this because uh, even though I'm a Christian Reconstructionist, as far as theonomy and stuff goes, it's not to be confused with Reconstructionism, which is where you find these American sort of gospel churches rising up as the one true church, that they wanted mm-hmm. to develop the one true church. And so Jehovah's Witnesses kind of being a part of that history, there's, there's a tie there 
Um, you know, and it probably be, could be connected to a lot of good that God was doing. And then you have the copycat and going on in there. So there's, there's a lot of church history, a lot of stuff, a lot of American history. Um, to look into whenever you look into these things. Oh my goodness, I just wanted yeah. to see if he could make that connection. So, Charles, thank you. I know that that was not exactly where we told yeah. you we were going at the beginning, but I just thought that there was a good... I mean, you were in the church, so you should know the history of the church, and you do know many of the flaws and many of the changes and many of the uh, different modifications that they've made. But with that said, let's kind of jump into the text of your book. Um, your book is called Sharing Jesus with Those Who Think They Have the Truth. Um, what was it that motivated you to write this book? Well, I think it was, uh, as a Jehovah's Witness, I would go from door to door, and I can count on my hands in, in the 20 years that I did it, uh, where a Christian would actually engage you in uh, a conversation and maybe just, you know, share truth with us. Most of the times, um, you know, the Christian would say, I'm sorry, I'm Baptist, or I'm sorry, I'm Methodist, or I'm sorry, I'm this, I'm sorry, I'm that. I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. Uh, that's a pretty sorry thing to say, really. I mean, you, you go back to the door, they go back to the car, and all the witnesses are there, you know, in the car with you, and you say, well, there was another sorry Baptist, you know, that we talked to there. Uh, so my motivation is for our people, Christian people, to share truth with Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, you're not going to get them saved, sanctified, and on their way to heaven at the first visit, but you can at least share some nugget of truth with them. Yeah, so, and so this is about truth. Right. We're all wanting, you know, so you said sharing with people who think they know the truth. So it's whenever we have our truth, they have their truth. This is where it goes into there. So what is truth is the major question. And Jesus is truth. Exactly. Jesus is truth. But, but you know, there's something on that word, the word truth. When you're a Jehovah's Witness and you're at a convention or you've met some new person who is a Jehovah's Witness, you ask them, when did you uh, come into the truth? When did when when did you learn the truth? When did you? How long have you been in the truth? Yeah, that's that's something they associate with their their organization. It's the truth, and so they refer to it that way. And really, the truth is no organization. It's just like you 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 touched on that, brother. The truth is Jesus Christ. Period. That's what the Bible says. The truth is. Yeah, and that's uh, then that's kind of the major theme. I think that it runs throughout the book. Is when you're talking um, with people, it, like your sort of thing is uh, Jesus didn't teach it, or Jesus taught this, and I'm going to believe Jesus. That's that's sort of uh, the theme that is threaded throughout the book as you uh, talk about these uh, different uh, aspects of what they believe versus what Jesus taught. Yeah, and that certainly covers the title. That was something that I didn't know, and I know that this is just kind of a first uh, version of this, but that background about when you came to the truth was such a cool piece that a Jehovah, a non-Jehovah witness would never know that that was the way you dialogued. And so mm-hmm. I really appreciate that insight into that, sharing Jesus with those who think they have the truth, especially when uh, Jehovah Witnesses get together and say, when did you come into the truth? <laughs> right. uh, yeah. So with that said... How long have you been in the truth, brother? Yeah. That, well, <laughs> you know, one thing I really enjoy about you, Charles, is when I run into you at the convention, you have your... what You have your uh, uh, living... Uh, gosh, your Jehovah Witness... New World Translation. New World Translation with you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Is there a particular reason why you carry that? I know this was... Again, this was not on our deal, but, but why do you carry... The, the New World Translation with you. Like, I mean, I see it sitting there and, and New World Translations are so easy to pick up because, again, they're bound nicely. They're incredibly uh, 
easy to carry. I mean, they're nice, nice Bibles. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just as nice as, as my Bible. In fact, if you were to take my Reformation Study Bible here, this is the condensed version, and set it beside that. Like, they're similar in size. The leather quality is good. Like, why do you carry around the New Living uh, translation, translation? New World Translation. The New yeah. World Translation. New World. New World Translation yeah. of the Holy Scriptures. Um, you can use it as a witness tool when you're if you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, there are actually some um, there are actually some sections of the New World Translation that uh, prove our point um, a little better than even some of our translations. I like I like uh, I don't like John one one, you know, where they say that, that the word was a God. But here's the way they they render the next um, the next two verses, which are really you know kind of uh, kind of good. It says, uh, this one was in the beginning with God. Okay, right. He was already there in the beginning with God. But listen to how they they translate verse 3. All things came into existence through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. Not even one thing came into existence. So, once I was, I asked a a young man at one of these stands that they set up, you know, what they have their watchtower on display, a little a little stands out in front of Walmart and at county fairs and what have you. And so um, I asked him if he had uh, a new, the new version. This is a new version. The gray book is a new version and uh, of it. It's a, a an upgraded version. So yeah, to and speak. there was something. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that there's something that you pointed out um, whenever we were hanging out uh, when I, with that. So I have seen that exact uh, copy that was in your hands because you showed it to me anyway, but you said that, Basically, if if I go online or if I look in the like an old text, you said it's updated. Um, the yeah. reason why it's been updated, like uh, I know that I've seen the old text, and in a lot of places there's brackets with words in it, so that we right. sort of try to help interpret um, things kind of in toto um, in the particular text, where you'd have like the word other in brackets, like he mm-hmm. created all other things, and that would be in yeah. brackets, but. Is that changed in the new revision to where the brackets are gone and it kind of just yeah they've, they've eliminated the brackets yeah, and that's scary that is this that's the scary part of the revision. I thought that uh, in, in John the uh, we can talk about it later, but um, because there's this lady that that guy asked me about the um, rich man and Lazarus, but in the the story of the rich man and Lazarus in their Bible, uh, it, the old version it said that the rich man died. And existing in torment, he said. Existing in torment. The other Bibles don't say, you know, our Bibles don't say existing in torment. But this one, he's existing. He's alive. He's existing in torment. And uh, they pretty much screwed that verse up, too. Uh, but, um, you know, they, they've corrected some of their big mistakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I want to jump in real quick here, um, just to your main focus and main audience for the book. Um, I know it is, is this available right now on the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network page, by the way? No, you can, but you can, uh, you can call me or, uh, or text me and, uh, or email me and I'll send you one of these books. Yeah, you did. Okay. You mailed me one. It was yeah. great. 
My kids were excited. They're like, who is this that sent this to us? We don't know Charles Smith. Who is this? <laughs> and so they're like all waiting to see what it was that I got when I got home. And I was like, it's a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, when you do think about your main audience and kind of give me just a little bit of a walkthrough, kind of reader di- Reader's Digest version, we'll call it Podcast Digest version of hmm. kind of what each little kind of section is and what you're doing in them, if you don't mind. Okay, well, what we do is we explain why we um, uh, have um, printed it. It's to give people at the door, uh, you know, Christians, an opportunity to reach out with some truth, to plant a, a nugget, to plant a little seed of truth in their mind. Um, like this one fellow said, you, you have to, maybe your goal is just to put a nugget in their, or a, a pebble in their shoe. Okay, so that's what, that's what happened to me. Uh, um, in fact, We've, we've got some sections here of the uh, heavenly authority in 1914. Okay, Je- Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus received the kingdom authority in heaven in 1914. Of course, Matthew 28 uh, says that he received all authority 2,000 years ago. So what are you going to believe? Amen. Um, we have the rich man and Lazarus. We have a discussion of that. Uh, we have uh, the Holy Spirit, a person or force. And it takes you to scriptures like, um, uh, you know, they're in... Um, Oh, we're in Acts where where the Holy Spirit actually speaks to yeah. to uh, Paul and Barnabas and says, "I want you to go here. I want you to go there. Hey, there's a guy up there, uh, an Ethiopian eunuch. I want you to go up and talk to this guy. You know, he's yeah. speaking. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is speaking. That's not a force or some type of a of a electricity or something. Uh, that's that's a real person. So uh, that's something that should be simple to share. We're not trying to prove the Trinity here. We're just showing them." Their doctrine that the Holy Spirit is an active force or a, a power that is not a person, we're showing plainly from God's word that the Holy Spirit is a person. Then yeah. um, we have um, uh, the section on, I have put the section about the, the rich man and Lazarus in because whenever I was a young man, about 20 years old, 21 years old, I was going out in a service, a field service, knocking on doors. And there was this young lady, she's about 18, and she said, you're Jehovah's Witness. And I said, yes. And she said, well, you know, uh, you don't believe in hell. And I said, well, yeah, sure we believe in hell. We believe in the Bible hell, that it's a common grave of mankind, blah, 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 blah. All the stuff yeah. that I was taught, you know, comes out. Uh, how you Just because you're rich, does that mean you go to hell? And, or hell? And just because you're poor, does that mean you go to heaven? And and, and I, all the Jehovah's Witness stuff, okay? Yeah. But at the end... This girl said, but Jesus taught it. Yeah. And so I went back out to the car where my mom was in the car, and I said, you know, if there's no such thing as a burning hell, then why did Jesus even say that? Why would he even say that to confuse people? And I said, Mom, none of his other parables are based on on a fantasy. They're all based on reality. So that girl sticking to her gun saying, well, Jesus taught it, that stuck with me uh, for years. And so... We can, if we can do something like that, we can make a solid rock point that Jehovah's Witnesses just are going to have to, to mow over. That's a good goal to have. And uh, it may prove to be, you plant that seed, it may grow one day. Yeah, and so, I mean, that's, that's the thing that uh, we should recognize in all apologetics. We're not out to uh, beat people up. Um, we need to refrain from really, really horrible ad hominem arguments like, 
talking about like Mormon special underwear or, you know, whatever, uh, yeah. whatever weird things that Jehovah's Witnesses might have or, you know, just little stupid things like that. Well, um, but you know, I did this thing on the, you know, the, um, um, that the, the, um, Baptists have, um, made copies of this. It, it's available on the internet. That, um, it's called, um, um, uh, I can't, can't remember what it's called now. It's, um, Oh, oh, majoring in the minors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Matter with you, Charles. Majoring in the minors. Anyway, it goes into like birthdays, uh, flag salute, uh, just some of these issues that are real important to Jehovah's Witness. Maybe they don't seem important to us, but like celebrating Christmas, for instance. Yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, that's like a major thing with them, and we don't think they're that important. But sometimes those are the hangups, yeah. you know, that that, that they, they get hung on. So I dealt with some of those things. So sometimes. Those are good to go into and to to know something about them, but we want to stick with, like you say, the main uh, thrust of of, of Jesus' ministry and uh, really eventually get to the gospel. Yeah, because those other arguments focus on man, and what we need to do is focus on Christ. I mean, that's that's the big deal. So I forgot. Yeah, there was just it is Jehovah's Witnesses with the birthdays. I yeah, I went to elementary school and there was a Jehovah's Witness girl in the class and you know that's where my mind was as a kid like we can't celebrate her birthday she's not here during valentine's day trading cards and all that kind of stuff and i found that like that's weird um i would never be a jehovah's witness but then what was i focusing on i was actually focusing on like you know maybe it's true we shouldn't celebrate these things and maybe i should find out the truth if this thing is wrong or not and that could have led me to scripture versus just hanging out in my own mind and then making up something about the, the, well, you know, stuff, on the birthdays, yeah. on the birthday thing, there's one birth. It, it's pretty. This is a pretty good birthday. The day he was born, the angels were singing and told the shepherds to go down and check things out. I'd say that was a pretty good birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, you know, the, I want to get this. Uh, if I don't get anything else, yeah, yeah. One of ways to uh, witness to Jehovah's Witnesses. The last uh, topic that I deal with in the booklet is called Jehovah's Witness to You. Yeah, hmm. Jehovah's Witness to You. Okay. They claim, I claim to be a Jehovah's Witness. So this is me. I'm in this. I'm in this one. Um, I had. Uh, I knew that the, the the watchtower was wrong. I knew these false prophecies were wrong, and that's an, that was a red light on the dash. Hey, something's wrong here, Charles. You know. So I, I I prayed to Jehovah that He would show me the truth. What it is that I had to do for uh, for Him to like me. You know, for Him to approve of me. And so I'm sitting in the Kingdom Hall one day, and. Uh, I come, I'm reading the Bible. I'm sneaking a peek, you know. I'm reading the Bible here, um, and I come to 1 John 5, 9. And it says, if you believe the witness of man, the witness of God is greater. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, that got my attention. I'm supposed to be a Jehovah's Witness, and here Jehovah has a witness for me. And you mm-hmm. go on and read down there, and it says that if you don't receive his witness, you're calling God a liar. Now, I'm thinking to myself, do I want to call Jehovah a liar? No. So, and what's the witness? Well, the witness is this, that if you have the son, you have life. Yeah. He who has the son has life. He that does not have the son does not have life. I write you these things that you may know that you have eternal life, you who put your faith in the name of the son of God. Right there, I wrote down at the bottom of my New World Translation, I wrote down there, it doesn't sound like a Christian has to wait a thousand years to receive life. If he has Jesus, he has life now. So amen, that's amen, the witness amen. of Jehovah, that if you have his son, you have eternal life. Yep. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. 
And uh, that's the day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in a kingdom all. Mm. Reading from the New World Translation. That's wonderful. So do me a little favor here, because I think this is key. Um, You know, a lot of pastors, uh, you know, I've been pastoring since I was 19 years old. I'm 36 years old now. Uh, And uh, actually 18 uh, is when I first started preaching regularly. So I've been pastoring for a few years now, uh, half of my life, essentially. So while I have pastored, um, one thing that people have always been interested in, it seems, is cults and what we can learn about cults. And so if I'm a pastor of Gravel Road Baptist Church and we're looking for something to do on Sunday nights to kind of change some things up, first and foremost, we should bring in someone like Charles from the network. We'll always make sure we put a plug out there. I would tell you uh, almost all of the network members will travel on their own dime uh, because they really want to connect to you. So uh, if you are listening to this, even if you're not a member of a Missouri Baptist Church and you'd just like someone to come and teach on Jehovah Witnesses, that's one reason that we're here. Not only do we collect these as a catalog for people, uh, but we want people like Charles to be connected with your church. And so that's a really yeah. key piece. But if you were going to lay out just some primary things that the average pastor should be able to know, we'll start with pastor and then we'll go to the average layman, uh, I guess both of them. What should they be able to know to deal with? with a Jehovah Witness when they knock at the door? Like, what would you tell them to say? How would you tell them that they need to engage them? Well, that's what the booklet is all about, and there's yeah. just some t- different topics, but uh, a pastor or any church member should know why he believes that Jesus Christ is God. Mm. Yeah, right on. Uh, you know, you, you should have those scriptures there. And whenever a pastor is teaching uh, in, a, in a sermon, uh, if he has the time, uh, he could... Uh, have a little sidebar, like you're, say you're teaching from Acts, uh, what is it, 20, 21, where he, Paul leaving and he, and he tells all of them to, to uh, really pay attention to the flock and that, that God has purchased with his own blood. Amen. That is an excellent deity scripture. You can make, take a little sidebar there and show, mark that down. If Jehovah Witness comes to your door, here's a scripture that shows that God had blood. God was Jesus Christ. Yeah. There, you know, Things like that could be done during the sermon. Also, Amen. Sunday school teachers, when they see an opportunity to make a point of truth, they could they could share that. I know we had a Sunday school lesson about the um, uh, the boys. You know, all the twelve the twelve tribes, uh, uh, Jacob's boys, and uh, they went and killed all these people. You know, in the in the in the Shechemites. And but before that, they told and this is just a real interesting point. That you he said, "We, you, you do this. You know, you get yourself circumcised, and we'll we'll, we'll take your wives for our uh, your women for our wives, and you can have our women for your wives, and we will become one people." The word there is ekad, mm-hmm. and it's the same word that's used in Exodus, where God says, or where the Bible says, "The Lord thy God is one ekad, yeah. a, yeah. a unity, a divine unity." And here, these guys were saying, "We'll become one ekad people." I mean, things like that. We could interject into our, our sermons or into our Sunday school lessons, but but our pastor uh, Daniel Wainan has um, uh, taken it upon himself to have the first Sunday of every month we have an apologetics night. Nice, Ooh, nice. We, awesome. we we talk on these subjects: Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. We we did one session on hell. We did another session on just the Trinity, uh, and so we have an apologetics, or we call it defending the faith night. That's something that could be employed once a month. 
in every church in the Southern Baptist Conference. Man, yeah, I think that you're be, right on. Dude. That's wonderful. And I, mean, I, I think that's something we need to write, uh, write some type of a challenge to the Missouri Baptist. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's a piece we need to work on as well. We need to get to Will, yeah, be, will on that and have yeah. all of the Missouri Baptists basically write a document and send it in and say, hey, we are asking that. Well, I mean, I think we'd say, hey, let's start with one month a year. Hey, get, let's dedicate one month to apologetics on Sunday night. And whenever we're or really do thinking about one this. Sunday we, night, we yeah. do we do one Sunday every the first Sunday of every month. Yeah. yeah, and see, I think that we need to come up with a document and actually challenge the Missouri Baptist Convention with that. Yeah, and I mean, get all the apologists' names. Yeah, and that's on education. It. But like you know, what are you saying here? Is you have to know the real thing to know that's the right. counterfeit. And so I know that uh, I've seen this in in uh, teachings before. I think uh, actually. Um, a few years ago, uh, we I was in a Lifeway uh, study group or whatever, and uh, talked about that. Um, and we really need to understand um, instead of seeking out the cults first, you got to know the real thing. And I think in Oliphant's book, he did a really good job uh, using the you know Plato's trivium of ethos, pathos, and logos, logos, mm-hmm. right? And so the logos is the word. So I mean that that is what it is. Um, and so then you got to work on your ethos first. You got to work on yourself. What do you know? What do you believe? Um, what is real and what is true before you go to the pathos, which is, um, in this case would be a Jehovah's witness standing on the other side of your door. Um, but you have to know what you believe first. You can have arguments all day with them, but if you, if you don't know what you believe, you're not going to persuade them. And especially if you look like you don't really believe what you believe and you're just talking, that's definitely not persuasive, but get to know. And so it becomes, you know, it, you know, when I, this is where, you know, in our conversations where, you know, there's a divorce between apologetics and theology, um, you know, that's, that's where we come in and say, well, we need systematic theology. We need biblical theology. We need uh, redemptive theology, like all these theologies, covenant theology, whatever. You need to know those things before you get out and talk because that provides the framework because they're going to come from a different worldview than you. And so you really need to, there's a lot of things to discuss or you're going to be two ships passing in, a, passing in the night, but you have to know yourself first before you get to the other person. That's right. Another thing is, is you know, like Walter Martin said years ago, you got to get the hay down out of the barn so the cows can eat it. Mm. Yeah. You know, you have to talk in language that people understand. Uh, we had a brother that come to our church and uh, uh, after he got done, I didn't know what he was talking about. He was talking about, uh, atheism and the challenge of atheism and uh, absolutely and i'm not that i'm of course i'm not the brightest bulb in the room but but uh, that's why you should be you know you should be getting through to us you know the lay folk Um, yeah when you get done they'll they'll have something to learn get the hay down out of the barn so the cows can eat it Mm -hmm. that's wonderful (laughs) well let me kind of close up here just a few little things but uh I think that we can funnel things down to Southern Baptist and particularly we can even talk Missouri Baptist. Why is it key for Missouri Baptist to pick up a book like this, understand these teachings and do something with it? Does that make sense? That's a simple question, but we're, we're supposed to, we're supposed to be helping people. I mean, pastors, are supposed to be training us to uh, to share the gospel and to share the truth, and all this is is a tool that we're that we're putting out there so that that Christians, the everyday mom and pop Southern Baptists, can share truth and defend truth for those that 
think they have the truth. If someone comes to you and says, well, I don't believe Jesus is God. I just believe he's the son of God. Well, what scripture are you going to go to? You should have a scripture in your mind right there. If somebody comes to you and says, oh, well, uh, you know, Jesus was raised, but he was raised spiritually. Uh, he was, his flesh wasn't raised because he you know, could pass through walls and, and do all these things. Well, what scripture are you going to use to show that Jesus was glorified in human flesh? What, what scripture are you going to go? Those are things, those basic things uh, that yeah. we, we just need to know so that we can share with other people. You got people coming into the churches and they don't know anything about about doctrine. Well, and they're susceptible to the Jehovah's Witness that comes to you. They're interested in God. They're interested in the Bible. And here come these folks that have wrong concepts and they start planting these things in their mind. We need to protect these people. And mature Baptists need to need to share with immature Baptists, and we all of us need to share with with um, the world the truth of Jesus Christ. All right, so I'm going to hit you up with one last question here, Charles, because I really appreciate it. Again, uh, Charles and his church, Sunrise Baptist Church, uh, tell us just a minute before I give you my last question about the apologetics conference that you all host are hosting this summer. Yeah, we're going to have something really neat. This will be our third uh, Witnesses Now for Jesus conference. And uh, what we do is we have folks that come in from all over the country who have been Jehovah's Witnesses, who have seen Jesus Christ as the light and the life and the truth, and they're sharing their testimonies with us. Uh, Sally Peterson from um, from Arizona, she's a blogger. She's going to be there. Terry, Rib- Terry Bacon, who uh, I knew as a child, is uh, now uh, come out of the Jehovah's Witnesses into the truth of Jesus Christ. Then we have uh, speakers that will be speaking on topics like the why the triune God, um, uh, out of religion, into a relationship. We have one of the premier uh, apologists coming. His name is Robert Bowman, and he has written at least 15 books on Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, the Gospel of John, John 1-1. I mean, all the great topics this man has really delved into. And he's, he, was a, you know, he was really a help to me whenever I first became a Christian. Bob Bowman, he's going to be there. He's going to speak twice. Uh, another gentleman, he is a Jewish gentleman, and he's going to speak on the triune God in the Old Testament. But it's things like this. I mean, we're going to have some good stuff. And, and, and uh, of course, Rob Phillips is going to be there. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be speaking. And this, this, a lot of folks say, well, you know, it's just for ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, I don't know if I'll be interested. Hey, look, if you're interested in apologetics, you're going to love this. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Everything that, that Jesus taught that we believe Jehovah's Witnesses deny. So when you come to one of these conferences, you're going to be uh, pumped up and muscled up when it comes to the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus taught. So real quick on that, uh, because that is such a key piece. Uh, Do you all have an Eventbrite page and uh, anywhere that people can get tickets that we can direct them to uh, so that they can know a little bit more information? Uh, If you don't have that yet, once you get, yeah, we, there's a, there's a page uh, witnesses now for Jesus. Okay, um, it's witnesses now for Jesus. There's information up there, but um, I, I'm on my Facebook page. I'm also going to have all this information. In fact, I have been posting on my Facebook page, Charles Smith. Uh, on my Facebook page, I've been posting the um, different speakers, those who will be giving talks and those giving testimonies, with a little bio on all of them. So if you go to my Facebook page and scroll down, you'll you'll uh, we got one fellow that's been a judge, a lawyer, uh, a pastor, 
this guy, his name is uh, David Unglin, and he's gonna he's gonna teach you on the subject born again, what and who. This is an amazing guy, you know. Uh, he's been a judge and sat on a criminal bench, you know, to judge criminals. I mean, he's a really fascinating guy. He's gonna be there. So, guys, you'll love it if you come. You're gonna love it. Oh man, yeah. I am really, really excited about it and thankful for the opportunity to get to be there. Uh, what a blessing it'll be. And again, uh, you're not joking. When you get Robert Bowman, he is probably the premier Jehovah Witness apologist in the world. I don't think that that is at all a exaggeration. Uh, one of the classes I took in seminary on cults, uh, one of the assigned texts was a book by Bowman, and, and it was great. Uh, just mm-hmm. very, very thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, uh, I've gone to your Facebook page, and you've got a list of the speakers, and that is way, way cool. I'm really excited about that. Um, well, Charles, here is the last little piece, and I want to yeah. just personalize this in just one minute here. Uh, each of us have had an encounter, almost uncertain, uh, I mean, almost with complete certainty, Everybody who's listening to the podcast has had an encounter with a Jehovah Witness. When you were on the other side, what was the most powerful thing that someone ever said? And what was the worst thing? If you can give me just a a real brief, like, what was the worst thing? You're like, oh, man, that just encouraged me even more to be more more vibrant in my witnessing. And the other one was, this challenged me like nothing else. Well, uh, the most challenging thing that I think you could give a Jehovah's Witness is to share with them. First John 5, uh, 9 through 13, the yeah. witness, Jehovah has a witness for you. Do yeah. you know what that witness is? And share that with them. Mm. The worst thing that you could do is is get into, uh, um, well, you know, you guys, you don't salute the flag. and Like these secondary issues, um, they're counterproductive. I know whenever I was a child, um, I, um, I I came to this one door. This guy was sitting, fixing his lawnmower. And... Uh, after I gave my presentation, I'm nine years old, and the guy says, I wouldn't use that stuff for toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that was pretty counterproductive, because when you say things like that, when you're ugly, then they feel persecuted. Yeah. And that's an evidence that they're, you know, doing what's right, because they're being persecuted. So, share something positive. I think First John 5, 9-13 is the absolute best thing you can share with any witness, because it it's a it's gospel-oriented, it's a it's the, you know, Jesus saves. It's all that all wrapped into one. Yeah. And I mean, I would add to that, you know, don't slam the door in their face. Mm. Um, if we're Christians, you have an opportunity handed to you when they show up. Yeah. It's handed to you to treat them as the image bearers there are who yeah. are in sin, exactly. who need to hear the gospel and uh, use what you know. I, and I love what you. Know and, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I want to. These yeah. people were my friends. I mean, I would like to see every person that I knew as a Jehovah's Witness come to the realization that they can have eternal life if they just accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and really believe that in their heart. That's hard for them to do, you know, because yeah. they think they've got to work, 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 and He's done the work. But the works will flow if you really put your trust in Him. The works are going to come, but they yeah. are not going to save you. Yeah, yeah. And so just like Paul, you know, he was saved from uh, Pharisaical Judaism that, uh, you know, messed up the law of God. They were trusting in the law and not God. Um, they didn't have a heart change. And so what did he do for his people? He prayed for his people. He uh, yeah. wished that he could be accursed 
for his people. So mm. um, unlike the world, you see with the world, whenever they leave something, when they leave Christianity, you see mostly they, they get rid of it and then they ridicule it. Um, but, you know, as Christians, you know, if, if, you know, the people that have come out of these things, I hope there's no hate in people's hearts. And uh, I think uh, you're being a very good witness to that, um, that you still love the people you, that you've come out of. And, and so we need to make sure that we maintain Christian like loving our enemies doesn't mean we uh, approve of them, but we show them grace. Mm. And so Jesus, know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But these very ones testify concerning me. Yes. And they search the scriptures and they think that just because they know have Bible knowledge, you're going to be safe. They're like the Pharisees. It's not going to save them. These scriptures are testifying about Jesus, and they refuse to come to him. Yeah, yeah. Charles, I am so grateful for your work. Looking forward to that conference. want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, please, we will connect, and I will tell you a little bit about how you can get this on uh, Kindle, on Amazon, and make it available to people in that format as well. Thank That's you guys for having me. Easy yeah. piece. Uh, man, uh, looking forward to continued work with you, and we're going to have to get together on that project about uh, apologetics, uh, a challenge to the Missouri Baptist Convention. Yeah, that'd be so, awesome. Great shirt. Theology <laughs> is not a dirty word. Yes, yeah. and if you guys want a shirt like him, yeah, he's got the Theology is Not a Dirty Word shirt on. You can check that on <laughs> online, and you can hang out with us, because again, know what you believe. And then uh, take it and share it. So, but yeah, thank you again, uh, Charles, for coming on the podcast. If there's anything that you, uh, you know, another booklet that you want to write or that you do write, or if there's any uh, anything you'd like to talk about, like current events uh, that's going on with Jehovah's Witnesses, because I know there's always something going on. If there's anything going on, you let us know. We'll bring you on the show, and then um, you know we'd love there, to include you with that. There's so many good things about the Trinity. I'm working on. A Jehovah's Witness comes to grips with the Trinity. That's, That's awesome. what I'm working on right now. Cool. Well, awesome. that, we will look forward to that. And whenever you have that uh, <laughs> ready to go, uh, we'll have you back on, dude. So, yeah, I appreciate you. And uh, we, uh, we love you. And we will see you around. God bless. Well, that was right. a great guest. Yeah. I hope I didn't uh, monopolize things. I was oh, just no, very no. interested in, no. in, in everything you had to say. What a blessing it is to have a brother like that. And I love his idea on... Uh, possibly getting together some type of a challenge to the Missouri Baptist Convention from the network. I think that's cool. So with that said, though, this that's is right. the Tag Year Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am Dave. Soli. Deo. Gloria. Gloria.